What does it mean to be completely healthy? Welcome to the podcast where you'll find encouraging stories to help us focus on all layers of our health, the mental, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual. I'm Monica Patton, and these are the parts of us. What is a physical therapist? What role do they play in treating the body? I sit down with Kim Bryan, physical therapist of Rehab Partners in Rainsville, to discuss the many issues therapists treat and why being skilled at movement analysis is imperative to her work. Kim explains why nutrition and exercise play a vital role in our physical well-being. She shares healthy practices that benefit most anyone and some of her professional success stories that still inspire her today. I learned a lot from this episode, and I believe you will too. This information is helpful for all ages. This is a note taker. Kim, I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited. I'm happy to be here. I am too. And I I love that we kind of go back. I've known you somewhat from way back as kids a little bit. Um, But I have gotten to know you and been around you recently because you're on the board of the CAC. And I've spent a lot of time recently with you. And... I just thought you were the perfect person to come and talk about our physical, as this is the physical aspect of our bodies. We have so many parts to us, yeah. which is hence the name. Of course. Physically, our physical, like this is the one body we got, right? We got to take care of it. Right. So I'd love for you to kind of just start maybe how you got into it. Yeah, maybe what course. drew you into okay. physical therapy. And what all you do? Like, just... Yeah, of course. Give so us a lowdown. When I was 15, my very first job was at a chiropractor's office. And I saw a few success stories, knowing full well I did not want to go into chiropractic. But I loved the healing aspect of that. I loved what I saw. And so that kind of started me thinking. And then as we got older and into high school, my sister had multiple surgeries and rounds of therapy, which is interesting now it was at rehab partners and in fort Payne and with drake and people that i get to work with and among every day but i saw her overcome these injuries and get back and then in going to therapy with her i saw other people overcoming which inspired in me those things that i saw as a 15 year old so i knew really then that that was the avenue i wanted to take but i quickly shut it down it's hard it's competitive it's long it's a doctorate i can't do that i'm just gonna do something else so i spent a couple years at northeast doing things I didn't have to have and prayed about it a lot and finally just gave in to the fact that, okay, Kim, this is what you need to do. So at the time I started applying, every school except the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga had, you had to have a four-year degree first and then apply. UTC still did a transitional program where you got your four-year degree the first year of PT school. So it was like a transition, three-year prerequisite, three-year program. So I was kind of at a point where I didn't have a lot of option. Most people that apply to PT school apply to many places. I applied to one. And so I, you know, that was just very strongly what I felt like I was supposed to do. And in my interview, I remember saying that day, hey, they say, what's your plan B? I said, I don't have one. This is it. This is where I'm supposed to be. And if it's not, then I'll cross that bridge. But things fell into place. And I graduated from UTC in 2012 and been working and practicing ever since. Wow. Yeah. I love to hear how people, you know, just, I guess, 
discover their passion, mm-hmm. find their passion. And I love that you brought up that you kind of avoid it for a little bit. Like, I don't, oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. I don't right. know if there's room for me right. in that area. And I think that can apply to yes. multiple Many jobs, yes. professions where you say, you know, there's people already doing that. Mm-hmm. There's too many. Right. But luckily for you, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if I, I just just sitting here thinking like, is there as far as is it more a male dominated? It used to be entirely male dominated okay. when it when it started. And actually, as the years progress, it's almost female dominated. Really? I mean, there's still males coming out. Every class has graduating male therapists, but ratio now. What do you think? Equal or over. I don't know. I just feel like as we are evolving and taking care of ourselves and putting forth those um, initiatives for physical aspects like you're talking about and and fitness and those kinds of things, I think people are just seeing it more. People are having more injuries. They're having more recoveries. And I think that's probably a big portion of it. Yeah, I just was thinking and you talking about maybe some if that was maybe another reason why you hesitated or was it just. Just yeah, not- I mean, I don't think I ever thought about that. I think it was more just a, can I do this? Can mm-hmm. I go through graduate school? Can I get in? It's competitive. Can I afford it? Can my family help me? You know, it was all things that just I had to think about. But I don't ever think it was, uh, that's all men. Although yeah. looking back, everybody, almost everybody that I observe under was a, a man. Yeah, so it might have been maybe in the, maybe sub- in the back of my head. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's inspiring. I think that's yeah. inspiring for people to hear of just pushing through it, not having a plan B. Like you right. said, you know what? If you had to have a plan B. I'll cross that bridge then. <laughs> that's right. right. Well, good for you. Okay, so you graduate. Mm-hmm. And then and then what? So I actually accepted a job before I graduated PT school and took the boards, went to work, and I went to work in outpatient slash acute care. So the hospital setting as well as outpatient in my hometown, which was what I wanted. That was another holdup, I think, was can I get a job here? Knowing I wanted to come back here. Um, And then I really, some people said you don't want to do that because you want to get a job where you just really can situate on one set of skills. And here I was working in the hospital and outpatient as a new grad. But I actually think that grounded me. I think it let me use all those skills more than just putting all those things I learned away and just focusing on one set of those skills. So now looking back, I think that actually grew me as a therapist because I've seen more. I've seen every aspect of recovery from pre-op, post-op, you know, admissions in the hospital and then coming out to making it to the outpatient world. So that's another good point is advice is great. Yeah. But you still need to follow your follow your follow heart. Your gut. Mm-hmm. Follow your gut. Yeah. And that's what it came down to was yeah. just finally praying and listening to what I knew I was supposed to do and then trusting myself and giving myself the credit that you're supposed to do this. You can do it. Put your mind to it and do it. Yeah. So oh, just I love follow that, your heart. Yeah. We really have to talk to ourselves. We like do. That, don't we? we do. Because I think in the, especially the world we live in today, there's negative everywhere around us. And so if we don't just finally do it for ourselves, who's going to do it for us? Surround ourselves with people that absolutely. are cheering us on. Yes. And we have to cheer ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. We, we forget about that. Yes. I think. Most definitely we forget about that. It's important. Yeah. Okay. So you're in the hospital setting. Yes. And the outpatient. Mm -hmm. So you came to rehab partners when? I started in 2019 as Drake took over ownership for rehab partners. So he bought the Fort Payne location, hired me on as a staff therapist, and I worked there for a year. And then he opened the Rainsville Clinic in 2020 and gave me the opportunity to go and 
see that clinic grow, and it's been incredible to see it grow from nothing to what it is, from the ground up. It gave me a whole different aspect of my job to really put to work, hard work in developing new relationships and relationships with doctors that realize, hey, now there's a new clinic here. We got to, you know, give her a shot. I had to really prove that. And I also had to honor the name that I was working for. So it was just a different aspect. But now we're growing in record numbers, and I'm still happy that I made that transition. I think ultimately, looking back now, all the things I had to do got me to where I'm supposed to be. Okay. I'm glad you said that too, because we can sometimes think certain things are wasted, or maybe that's not where I want to stay forever. Right. But things we learn along the way yeah. prepares for the future, don't you believe? For sure. Yeah, I don't think I would have been ready to take on the role that I have today if I had not gone through all the things I had gone through to get there. Such so as being patient. Yeah, absolutely. Which is difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not really sure who's good at patience. I, I know some people have that virtue, but um, okay. So that's interesting. When you said y'all opened the clinic, I didn't realize that. Yeah. And I and I do feel like that's something that maybe, and I hope people hearing this listening. Know that y'all even have a clinic in Ra- yeah, Rainsville. Of course. I guess if you're located more in Fort Payne, and maybe a lot of people know about it, I don't know. But um, that's good to know that y'all do have yes. two different places for convenience yeah. uh, for clients. Um, so that happened in 2020. Yes. Right in the middle of COVID, we opened a new healthcare facility. Talk about that for a minute. It was scary. Um, I think probably more scary for Drake, you know, being in control of that. But also, this is my livelihood. If it doesn't, if it doesn't go, what's going to happen? Am I going to go back to Fort Payne? Are we going to even be able to sustain ourselves there? Because surgeries quit happening, you know, and not all of my job, but a lot of my job is post-op. And so surgeries quit happen and clientele dropped and patient numbers dropped and people were scared to go to therapy for anything else because they didn't want to be around anybody. But it, again, I, I feel like it happened because it was supposed to happen slowly it was just every day there was a new referral and then a couple more referrals and then more referrals. And we've just built. And it's been beautiful to see how even in the middle of something terrible that everybody's dealing with, if you're an advocate for somebody and you say, I'm going to do what I have to do to protect me and I'm going to do what I have to do to protect you, but we're going to get you better. People lean into that. They want that. And I think that that helped us grow is it's a big part of our job is just advocate for somebody, make them feel heard know what their limitations are physically and otherwise, and know that there's an outlet. You know, a lot of people are scared to death by surgery, especially in the middle of COVID. What can I do to avoid that? Well, let me try this. So I think that in a way that really kind of helped. Yeah, in a weird way, it kind of just benefited Yeah, what y'all do. Right. So it probably opened some eyes that, yes, yeah, like, okay, can't do surgery right now. What do I do? But what about this? Yeah, of course. There's always a silver lining. Always. Just have to find it. Okay, well, before, that makes me think about how the, your preventative work. Yes. Of, you just sort of touched on that. I'd love, I'd love for you to talk about prevention. What role y'all play in prevention? Yeah. And not just, you know, once the injury, once the thing, you know. The, Whatever Whatever's happened. happened. Yeah. Okay. What can y'all do preventative? And in lieu of, yeah, we all know that surgery and medication plays a role. And I mean, we, we, we need that. But if you kind of just could go over what your job entails. Okay. I know there's probably 
a slew of things that y'all treat. But I think that's something important for people to know. It is important. And I will say the longer I do it, the more I find people have no idea what we do. Um, You know, every day somebody says, I always just thought therapy was where I came after I had surgery or after I had a car wreck, you know. And it is. But it's also so much more than that. By nature, physical therapists are movement um, analysis. We look at you and we watch your movement patterns and what your muscles and structures are supposed to do. And if that's not happening correctly, then it's our job to correct that. Um, As far as coverage and insurance goes, you kind of have to make it to a therapist because of something. So we call it prehab. You know, if somebody ultimately is going to face surgery, there's still some doctors that will get on board with prehab. You come to me first. We strengthen your muscles. We teach you good movement patterns. We make sure that you know what to expect afterward and you're better prepared to recover after that. But also, even if you've come to me for an injury, for prevention after that, I can talk to you about movement patterns, about things you need to remember to incorporate into your day. Um, Just kind of as a whole, what we treat, it is any kind of physical disability, any kind of functional limitation. You know, if you can't reach into the cabinet, that's a problem. If you're a housewife or live alone, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter if you're taking care of family or taking care of yourself. If you can't reach up to take care of yourself, that's a problem. So any kind of limitation like that, it's not just pain. It's any kind of limitation. I I treat a lot of people that say, I don't really have pain, but I can't do X, Y, and Z. And I need to be able to do that. And so that's a big part of my job is to analyze the person as a whole. What What's limiting you and why? You have to look at the whole person. You have to. And like you said, if something is dis, you know, dysfunctional, mm-hmm. don't assume it can't be helped. Correct. right? Because I, I think sometimes our, we're quick to be like, well, I doubt anything can be done about this. Right. Or maybe I'm just not going to go figure out what it is. That's a problem. I see so many people that if they had come to me a few months before, they could have maybe pre- prevented surgery. Don't get me wrong. Surgery has its place. But... Or they could have gotten that surgery done and been recovered at this point where they've put it off. And I think sometimes we live in a world of suck it up. You're going to be fine. You know, that walk it off. And that's true very much to a point. Don't don't fade into every little ache and pain. But bodies are telling us something. And if it's continually telling you something, it's time to do something about it. Stop right there. Okay. Listen to your body. I tell my kids that all the time. It's like... Listen to your body. It will tell you. Absolutely. Our mind will lie to us sometimes. Yes. Your body Your body can't. No. It can't. It can't. It physically can't. It can't. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right. I think the message in in our culture is keep going. Yeah. Suck it up. busy world. Suck it up and keep going. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And just prioritizing yourself. Yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, too, depending on population if it's an athlete or a kid they don't want to say because they don't want to quit playing if it's an older person they don't want to say because they don't want their independence taken if it's a a mom or a dad they don't have time to stop work or stop getting their kid wherever or so we just tuck that away when in all reality it, it doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna have to come to therapy three times a week for six weeks or have a surgery it might just be me saying why don't you tweak this let's work on this and then that's going to take care of that and then you've avoided a further injury. So that would be my my mode of prevention when you ask me to speak. Of yeah, that. because it usually if you got an issue, it 
I mean, there's some things that do go away. Yeah, they're going to fade. But yeah, something that is just kind of staying with you. Them, yeah. It's it's really important to check that out. Correct. That's cool. It goes back to listen to your body. Yes. It's not going away. It right. will probably worsen. Yes. And, and if, if it does, then you really have got something to yeah. overcome. The earlier, the better. Like you said, I mean, mm-hmm. in all of our defense, like, it's just sometimes it's, it's scary. It is scary. It's like you said, it's taking time that we don't have. Exactly. But prioritizing our health. Like like you said, whether we're, no matter where we are at, in, life, in life, like, like our quality of life is very yeah, important. of course. Um, okay, so we you spoke to spoke a little bit about the COVID. Um, <laughs> the COVID, I didn't mean to say it like that. My kids <laughs> joke when I say it like that. So back to COVID times, which is it is still here, but thank God not, not like you know it like it was. What are y'all seeing? Are you have people that are coming for? some issues that have post-COVID yeah. that have stayed with them. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm, I'm hearing a lot about it. I've had it personally. What are y'all seeing? What are you seeing? And what, how do you deal with that? Okay. Um, yeah, I've seen all ends of that spectrum. You know, people that come that have had it and are just generally weak, but they don't really have any leftover symptoms other than they can't get their strength back. So we work on strength. We work on how they present. You know, can you get up and down safely? Can you dress safely? Can you shower? Can you go back to work? Those kinds of things. We have treated some patients that have some significant like respiratory issues. So we're not respiratory therapists and we don't quote unquote monitor that, but it's something that we absolutely have to take into account. We have to see how your body responds to increased physical activity to the demands of what a normal day would look like as you're trying to get back to. And then what we do is we do try to build your endurance to that. And endurance is not just lung capacity, but it's your muscular endurance too. Um, you know, if you've been in a bed and you've been down, your muscles have lost that capacity to just function for long periods of time, let alone just hold you up out of bed. So we have to take all that into consideration, but treat what we see. And then I've also treated people that have been on the vent and not sure that they would make it and suffered a stroke while they had COVID. And so they come to me I'm not treating that COVID, but I'm treating that stroke. But if I don't take into account that he had COVID, his lung capacity is not what it used to be. His endurance is certainly not what it used to be. His overall immune system is affected. Then I can't focus on the stroke. So I still treat what I see as far as those stroke symptoms go. But as we progress that treatment, we we have to take into consideration how he's recovering otherwise. That has... that. I can imagine how hard that that would be coming from a situation like that. I know you see really heartbreaking and it's got to be so stressful. Very stressful. Mm -hmm. For you, for the patient, because you're having to push. Somebody that doesn't want to be pushed. That does not want to be pushed. No. And. And that's scared to death to be pushed. And is scared to be pushed. Mm -hmm. Because that's work. That's hard. It's hard. Physically and mental and physical work. And I don't want to be that. I don't want to be in that shape again. And that's what they're thinking. You know, you get them a little winded and they're like, oh, I can't breathe good. You know, and so it is it that uh, that is where the mentality of it also comes into play. And that's an important part of my job is to encourage somebody and not just in that situation, but in a lot of situations. Absolutely. Well, you mentioned building endurance. Yeah. And. How do we build endurance? You you have to 
you have to push and get uncomfortable, right? Yeah, we have to get out of that comfort zone. And that's true for aerobic capacity and your breathing and to be able to run a longer race. But it's also true for your muscle. You know, if you demand something out of your muscle and that endurance isn't there, well, it's going to stop. It's going to allow for injury. It's going to allow for impediment of your recovery. So we push through, but we have to know where do we push? Where do we stop? So I think that's an important part of a physical therapist's job is people laugh a lot of times. I say it's tough love, but it really is. Well, we we all need tough love. We yeah. don't. We we might can give it, but receiving it's tough. Different story, yeah, of course. So that goes back to that movement analysis. Yeah, I never heard of that. So like you are literally you're you are analyzing each individual and kind of you know physically seeing what they can do and even taking note mentally when mm-hmm. it's like you can just say like okay we've gone too far yeah. So it's just really. You have to, you must be an expert. You have to, to do this job. The more I'm thinking about it, you've got to really be very good at body language. Like yeah. you have to be expert at that. Yeah. I mean, you do. Some people hide things well, but there comes a point when you're pushing their limits that you're going to know. You're going to be able to read that they, fear avoidance is a big thing in my world, especially with a geriatric population or a kid that has just had a major surgery and is learning to walk again. Um, a kid that's, that I'm trying to help meet a developmental milestone, they're not going to do that if it's hard. It's scary. You know, an adult doesn't want to fall. So if I'm challenging their balance, you got to be able to read their body language. They've got to feel comfortable. And I think that's an important part of a physical therapist's job is to develop a relationship. I want you to leave me feeling like you were heard. I know what your limitations are, what your concerns are, and the things that you want to get out of therapy. I can tell you all day long what I want to see you do or what your measurements look like or what your goals look like. But none of that's going to matter if it, if I'm not driving it towards what you want out of it. Wow. That's that's big. And that would be hard for me to do, I feel like. It is hard. Because like, what do you want? Yeah, because I know what you need. I know why you're there. I know what I have to do. Mm-hmm. But I think if I understand what you want, I can do what I have to do a lot better. Not always, but... That makes sense because that just goes back to we're all different. Yeah, of course. And it's all individual and, you know, what you can do with one patient and what they want. Maybe it looked totally different, even with the same issue. Exactly. Yeah, I have people all the time like, let's just say it's a total knee replacement. You know, one patient comes in and the next patient comes in. Well, how far out is that patient? (laughs) You know, they're comparing (laughs) themselves right away. Or even if there's not one in there, they say, what's the normal What's the normal knee do? What's, What's normal? the normal timeline? And I say that all the time. Well, define to me what normal is, <laughs> and I'll explain it to you. Because you can't do that. Sure, there are protocols, but protocols are just that. They're just guidelines. Every person that walks through my door is going to be different. No two people have been alike yet. No two patients have presented just identical. And they're not and, going to. No, and about anything. No. I don't care. Where, like, it is, it's our nature just to compare. Yeah. And... It's, it's just a waste of time. It, it really is. is. Yeah. It's not it's not doing any good for anybody, either no. party, really. No. And another aspect of comparing is, you know, you mentioned the knee replacement. Like, there might be somebody that it's taken, I don't know how long it takes, but <laughs> normally, <laughs> but years maybe for somebody to really recover. And some yeah. people, like, you might be right the opposite. You might just bounce back. Yes. So just maybe assuming the best. Yeah. And, and just having your I, own goals, yeah, right? That's what I try to tell people, like, Here's the protocol. Here's the timeline, you know, but really let's make sure our focus every day in therapy is getting you closer to the goal that you want to achieve. 
what's functional for you might not be functional for somebody that appears in your eyes that they're doing really well, but really they might not could do what you need to do. So I try really hard to keep it individualized. I mean, sure, there are things that every patient's going to do after a knee replacement because that's what gets you where you need to do. But the time in which you do it, the amount of them that you do before you progress, that kind of stuff is going to be different for every patient. So how often do you see people giving up just a little too quick? Too often. It's an unfortunate part of my job. It's a frustrating part of my job. Um, people, people want a quick fix. And I think it goes back to what we were saying about being busy and our time. We don't have a lot of time. And therapy is demanding of your time. It can be demanding of your time. Um, but you've got, to, you've got to walk into therapy knowing that it's hard and it's time consuming, but it gets me where I want to be. And I think that goes back to also tying into a relationship with your therapist. If you trust them, you know that they're working for you and that they're constantly trying to figure it out. I'm not speaking negatively about anybody, but our profession as a whole, I think, ties into just our community as a whole. We want things and we want them fast. And the script says two times a week for six weeks and you did that and you're done. If you're not done at six weeks, then we need to investigate why. Mm -hmm. I need to figure out what do I need to do different to get you to where you need to be. But you've got to do your work. And if you don't trust me, if after that six weeks you're not buying into anything I'm selling, then you're not going to give me six more weeks. But if along the way you see little victories and you see that I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I was, you're going to buy into that. Um, and that's key, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. like sometimes forgetting where where you've been. Yes, of course. We have to remind ourselves And how that. far you've come. Yeah. And maybe I'm not there yet. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe my goal is I might never not reach that particular goal, but I am reaching some goals. Yeah. And I'm getting better. Right. And that's, I would say, I guess, a big part of your role as well. Just saying, hey, do you remember where you came from? Do you remember what you've done? Look back. Yeah. Yeah. Look look where you've come from. Mm -hmm. Because I think we we have to be reminded. And I think that's why some people do, like you said, just get discouraged in life period is like, gosh, I I don't remember getting through that, but I did. But I did. But so it does look different with therapy, you know, and, and it should. You shouldn't, it shouldn't be mundane, but sometimes people come into me and I can tell they're off from the word go. They're having a bad day. They're just not feeling it. And I have to start out with, okay, here's where we were. Here's where we are. And here's where we want to be. So what's holding you up today? Are you scared? Are you hurting? Are you just frustrated with the whole thing? And sometimes it's a little bit of exercise and a whole lot of listening for me. Sometimes it's more hands-on. And I find that when I'm doing any kind of manual therapy and being hands-on, people open up. They trust you. It's time. They're quiet and they're there and they're listening to you. And they feel like if you put your hands on them, you care You care about them. And so you learn a lot of things. So if somebody's struggling to get through some exercises, I'll just pull something back. We'll just change it up a little bit. You know, it does not have to look like 45 minutes of exercise every time you walk into my clinic. That's not what's going to get you your goal. Well, I kind of think you're doing some emotional therapy, too. Yeah. Sounds like you're doing it all. And like you said, that's amazing what just just somebody coming in and feeling heard. Or right. saying, I'm struggling today. Yeah, of course. Um, So you can move on mm-hmm. to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Just being heard. Yeah. is really what I think it's everybody really wants, important. wants mm-hmm. you know, yeah. at the end of the day, especially when I know you're seeing, you know, they're having so many physical issues or severe issues. It has to be so yeah. frustrating. And sometimes they don't know where to start. Yeah. You know, physically speaking, but that's the importance of our job too. And it goes back to that movement analysis. 
just if I break it way down, if somebody comes to me that's, say, a kid and they're running, they're having knee pain, and they, they've been to the doctor, they've been to the therapist, and they're like over being there because they've already tried therapy and it didn't work and their knee hurts and they're just depressed about it. Well, then I start looking at that whole body and I find out their hips are weak, bad weak. And if I don't correct that, that knee pain's never going away because it's leading to abnormal gait patterns and abnormal running patterns. So you have to sell it to them, especially in that population. But we start strengthening that. The knee pain starts going away. The running starts being better. The attitude starts being better. That's the best part of my job is seeing people get back to their life. I know that's what keeps you going. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And another aspect of, I'm just thinking if I'm coming in as a patient and if I'm not willing to really talk about it, you're talking about the relational aspect Mm -hmm. of it. um, I would say that probably holds people up too. It does. It's a very vulnerable, like physically you're struggling and and probably mentally and both combined. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if you're not willing to, to share that, share that, that inhibits the process. Right. And I tell people all the time, you don't have to be the tough guy around here. It's not about showing me that you can tolerate pain. It's about showing me what hurts so that we can correct that. You know, it, it's not about, I don't care that you hurt in a, in a matter of, I think less of you. I care that you hurt because then I can figure out why that hurts and what I need to do to make it stop hurting but if you are Mr. Tough Guy the whole time, and I never know that something I'm asking you to do hurts, I'm never going to know to look into that. Since you said tough guy, do you see that more in men than women? Yes and no. I mean, men always don't want to tell you something hurts. But at the same time, women are tough. Yeah, they are. <laughs> women are tough, and they have to be tough. Yeah. And so when they get into that vulnerable state where you've found something that they can't hide, that they're weak and they're hurting and that's limiting them, you can you can break through that. So as a front, men, yes. Secondarily, women, because they try so hard to not have to be weak. Right, right. Okay, so what about nutrition? Does no- nutrition play a role in rehabilitation yes as far as like legality I can't tell somebody you know I think you need to be eating this and this and this and I can't give them pointers but it's a part of my role because if you're not feeding your body well your muscles are not recovering well you're not going to get over a surgery well Um, you know you're not going to build strength if you're not feeding your body the right things what we put in our mouth is so very important and so for me especially post-op people that are sick and not feeling well, they're not eating and they're struggling and they just don't feel good. It warrants a conversation. What's your food look like? You know, what is breakfast, lunch, supper? What does it look like every day for you? And then you'll find out they're not eating. You know, they're barely getting one meal a day and then they're wondering why they can't progress in therapy. So then it's my responsibility to point them into the direction of somebody that can help. You know, kids are the same way. I mean, you know, it's junk food here and junk food there and a snack before practice. And we didn't have time to eat supper last night. And all that's fine. Guilty. (laughs) Yeah, of course, we all are. Unless it happens on a very regular basis. Yeah. And at that point, again, it warrants just sitting down with mom and dad and and the patient and saying, look, we got to get some nutrition. You know, what do we need to do to point you in the right direction? What do you do then? Where where do you typically point them? Is there like website? Are there there nutritionists that y'all direct them towards? How does that work? There's not any one person that I direct toward. There have been nutritionists in the past that I've worked with. Um, but a lot of times it happens more post-op. And a lot of times it just is a callback to the doctor. 
and say, you know, they're sick or they're nauseated and they're not having any um, appetite and they can't eat so they can't recover. I've had many times that the doctor will actually prescribe like a supplement or a vitamin and slowly but surely that helps them to be able to eat again. So I just try to point them in the right place based on their case. It's like a it's it's tapping into the network and yeah, it uh, has, like you said, advocating. It has to be. You have to be an advocate for your advocating patient. for them mm-hmm. in that area because it all yeah. works in conjunction. Because it just blows my mind the people that don't think to ask their doctor those questions, or they don't think they can ask their doctor that question, or they don't think anything about it. They're just sick and they're not going to eat. They don't realize that that's affecting every part of their recovery. So you just have to educate people, mm-hmm. advocate for people mm-hmm. for sure. So what would be like a couple of tips or recommendations that if you could just throw it to all of us, anybody listening, that I don't care what state your body's in, that you just would say, these two things are just good for your body. Like just, I mean, well, obviously nutrition. Nutrition and and your water intake are big. You know, our body is made up of a lot of water. Um you know, that affects all of our joints. Every joint in our body is affected by your water intake and your nutrition. So I would say, yes, of course, manage what goes in your mouth and be aware of it. But also I would just say stay moving. I hear a lot of my patients when I ask about exercise or what their life looks like say, well, I work every day. I cleaned the house today. I got my exercise in. You didn't. Yes, you're requiring movement of your muscles and your joints and your body, but that's not real exercise. That's not taking time apart and getting in some kind of movement that is overall good for your health. You know. Okay, define what you consider real exercise because I think you're right. I think some people say, "Oh, well, you know, I might work out or work physically outside." Right. Or like you said, I'm cleaning the house, mm-hmm. what whatever. But what does your body need to do when you're talking about like just being very intentional yeah. for a, t- a an exercise? Yeah, separate yourself out from what your normal duties look like. Go outside, go for a walk. You know, if you are comfortable and at a state where you can go to the gym, you know, lift some weights, get in some cardio, do something to change how you move every day so that you are incorporating more aspects of the physical being. Um, get your heart rate up, you know, use the muscles that you have. If, if you have a physically demanding job, then you need to support those muscles with more than just what that job demands. Also, I think stretching and recovery is important and we don't do it. I find it in athletes. I find it in adults. find it in the elderly. No one stretches, not on a regular basis. Um, you should kind of get out of the out of the bed in the morning stretching. You should prepare your body for movement before you demand of your body. And then at the in the evening when you come home, again, you should the same thing should stretch. You know, you've demanded all this time out of your body, so shower and stretch. You know, let your muscles have that recovery. Does it have to be every single day, a 30-minute time period? No. But does it need to be an intentional time period every day? Yes. Do you have a certain certain stretches or like where could, when you, when we say stretch, like just what feels good to you? Um, I mean, would you direct anybody to, to maybe a certain app or I don't know, like what's... I don't know that there's one certain app and it's kind of hard because everybody... You don't know who's got what going yeah, on. And right. so you sure don't want to give somebody a stretch that's going to hurt something right. that I don't know they have going on. So that's where it kind of gets a little tricky in my yeah. world. It's not generalized. It's yeah. very individualized. But just as a whole, I, I would say try what works for you. There mm-hmm. is way too many tools available to us um, through social media and 
other, you know, the internet and that kind of thing. Doctors' offices typically have really good tips. A lot of physical therapy places, a lot of massage therapy places, they have tips and tricks. And I think you have to just utilize those resources to find what works for you. And that might be a good time for me to tell you, I don't think any, most people don't know this, and you may not. Physical therapy in Alabama is limited direct access. So what that means is you have the ability to come to a physical therapist off of the street with said problem or issue or concern and sit down and talk to me and let me kind of analyze a few things, check a few things and say, yes, you need therapy or no, you really need to be seen here first. Um, Where if we had full direct access, you could come to me. If I thought you needed therapy, I don't need that doctor referral first. I just need to treat you. But it's my job then to see those red flags, to know when. But at the state we are in Alabama, you have that one visit. And where I work, I'm I'm very thankful. We offer a one-time free consultation. Um, Where you call and you say, you know, I would like to talk to the therapist about X, Y, Z, whatever it is that's, it doesn't even have to be hurting. It can just be a concern. You know, maybe you want to start exercising and you don't know where to start and you're afraid to hurt something and you want to just kind of get checked out. Maybe let me be your first turn and say, well, I see this that we kind of need to watch out for, or I think you need to have this checked out first, you know. So that call. Mm Mm-hmm can be made without any kind of doctor referral, without you having to see a doctor. Correct. You can come see me one time. But if you continue, and treatment starts, Mm -hmm. right. Okay. And luckily, I mean, a lot of the doctors have great working relationships with, and they know that if they've seen me, you know, I can tell them what I saw already, and they'll send that script or that referral. But a lot of people, too, just then know, I don't know which doctor to go to. Okay, I need therapy. Where do I turn? Well, then again, I can advocate and say, well, here's what I see. I think we need to get this checked out first. Let's let them clear this and then send you back to me. So it gives me an opportunity to just open a doorway for a patient. Yeah, because like you said, sometimes it's just like, I'm having this issue. I just don't know, I don't know what, what, what do even doctor it. to get yeah, to. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's good. I didn't I didn't know y'all did Yeah, that. most people don't know that. Yeah. Okay, for, for just a minute, speak to athletes. Okay. And um, I guess because I have kids. Yeah. I have kids in athletic programs. Okay. They, they've always done several things. What do what do you just as a mom as um, I, I, I care about it, but um, for for kids and young bodies, what do you like to see? Why is it important for rehab versus, you know, waiting till, you know, something to be really be like. Really hurting, really like bad. you said, and just enduring it, um, or maybe like a weak point in yeah. that that we know they have. How can therapy play a role, physical therapy, and why should they do it? Why should they do why it? Why should they do it? Yeah. Well, number one is prevention of a further injury. If if something's not right, goes back to that very first statement: your body's not going to lie to you. If you're practicing a sport every day and something's not right, well, let's figure out why. And so maybe that down the road prevents a doctor's visit or a surgery or an injury. If you're working out hard every day, let's make sure your body mechanics look good. Let's make sure your movement patterns are what they should be. Um, I've spent a lot of times with athletes working on um, squat form. You know, it it sometimes is the little things, but then that leads me to other issues. Um, I talked to with a mom the other day. I'll just kind of give you a for example. She said he hurts all the time in his feet. And she said, we've gone to every foot doctor I can think of, and nobody finds anything with his feet. He wants to quit soccer because his feet hurt so bad. 
and he loves it. And I said, you know, I asked a few questions. Have you looked at this? Have you looked at that? And she said, no, we didn't know where to go. We just went to the foot doctor. Like, you know, but his feet are healthy. So we get him in and I just watch him move through a few things. And we realize he's way weak in a lot of weird places. Um, He has some misalignments here and there and from hips down. And if nobody ever corrects that, his feet are not going to get better. So that's going to lead to an injury because it's going to lead to an overuse you know, something is not going to be strong enough to support what you're demanding out of it. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that that mom said, something's not right. Let's figure out what it is. And after all that time, it wasn't his feet. And so now he's fine and he didn't have to quit, you know, and every success story is different. That's not, that's not, you know, that's just one, for example, but just in general with athletes, we're demanding a lot out of our body. And they think they have to keep going. They don't want to tell coach they hurt. They don't tell mom they hurt. They don't tell dad. Because in playing time. Yes, because then they're going to get cut. But what does that mean? Does that mean one week of, hey, let's work real hard on this, and then you're good to go? Or does that mean a long three- or six-month recovery because something hurt and you didn't take care of it? So I would say, again, stretch, exercise, build, build the strength that supports what you want to do. If something's not right, there's a reason that it's not right. And unfortunately... A lot of programs around don't have a conditioning program. They don't condition these kids. They don't watch their form. They don't, I mean, they're squatting hundreds of pounds, which is great, unless that squat form is terrible, you know, and then you do that so many reps, that's going to cause another problem down the road. Forms, like you said, just stretching. Yeah. Preparing your body for what you demand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never thought about it like that. And that's really athletes, not athletes just your average just person your average we population. all should be doing that mm-hmm. yeah for sure some days i'm good at it yeah. some days we i just don't want to take five minutes if i right? practice what i preach it would be great you know i say that a lot Knowing to my patients two different yes, things. absolutely yeah absolutely well you're spending all your time and energy probably on your patients yeah thankfully like that's good for your patients yeah. but once again i think it just goes back to if if, if we're going to be at our best and if we can give other people our best we gotta we gotta take right. care of what's ourselves what's here, yeah right there, there's a lot of days that especially when the weather is pretty at lunch i need a break i need a physical break i need a mental break and so thankfully where i'm at i can go to the park and i can walk i get movement in i clear my head i'm better equipped to help my patients but then i've also taken a little time out of my day to take care of me i have practiced what i've preached i've gotten some movement in i've gotten my heart rate up i've exercised those muscles you know so that I can be better equipped then to help my patients. Well, that's you're you're just being real. Yeah, it's, of course. It's, we know what we need to do sometimes, and it's just well, we don't always do it. We don't always do it, but I think your patients need to hear that. It's like yeah. you know, I understand. It's just human, right? You know, it's 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 hard to do all the things okay. that we need to do, mm-hmm. and really to take care of our bodies. It like you said, it means work. Whether we're doing rehab mm-hmm. or just. Like you said, stretching every morning, yeah. having, you know, a moment for a walk or exercise. It's really intentional. It takes intention. And a lot mm-hmm. of people don't don't give it that, especially our physical aspect, you know. And I think kids, they're active in sports, so they're getting exercise, right? Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. but are they really? And then as adults, we're working and we have a household to take care of. And we the last thing we want to do is go exercise or take time out to stretch. And then as we get older... We're scared we're going to fall on the floor if we stretch or exercise, you know, and it's a <laughs> yeah. real thing, but mm-hmm. you have to find what works for you. Yeah. And also just getting that out of your mind of like, 
It doesn't have to be going to a gym and spending right. an hour every day. No, it does not. That might work for some people, but right. that's not. But that's not across the board what we have to do board. to take care of our bodies physically. Right. Okay. Give me, you You kind of gave a little success story here yeah. with, with the little boy. And gosh, I mean, how inspirational is that? That just, you correcting his feet. Yeah. The issue going on there. How that, if, if not, when would that have appeared? Like you said, Probably with an injury. Probably. I mean, that right there is an amazing story. What about another one? Just okay. something that, I don't know, maybe just inspires you still just thinking about it. Okay. Um, let me give you two. So one is a quick success story, and that sometimes is exactly what a patient needs, and that's sometimes how therapy works. So a lady came in to me. She was about 85 years old, and she had to have a driver. She was so dizzy. She said, I've been dizzy for 40 years of my life since my kids were at home. She said, I have been dizzy on and off, more so than not. She said, I've been to some doctors. She said, I just decided it was something I was going to have to live with. And she said she had fallen because of the dizziness, which led her to a new doctor. And he said, well, have you ever had any treatment for that? And he said, I want to send you to therapy. And she said, for dizziness? Like She just was like totally, you know, she didn't know what to think. So she came to me, and the more she talked to me, the more I realized she had positional vertigo, which is one of the things that we can treat pretty easily. And so we took her through a series of tests and confirmed that diagnosis and then went right into a treatment for that. And I explained to her, if this works, it could likely make you very sick at your stomach. You may throw up. You know, you may have some issues that you're not really ready for with this. She was like, honey, if this takes care of my dizziness, just do it. So we did the procedure. And she was not dizzy when she left. She did not have to come back. And she called about a month later and said, I just want you to know I'm still not dizzy. She said, I owe so much to you. Those are the success stories that just keep you going. Those quick fixes, you know, because everything's not a quick fix. But wow, I mean, 40 years of her life was spent where she could have had no dizziness. Had someone just known that therapy could treat that. Wow. Yeah. So that's. That's a, one of the success stories that makes me just be like, you know what? That quickly changed somebody's she, life. She had, she didn't think, like, she that was just part of her life. That's what right. she knew. That's she didn't what know she, another I life. thought that's what she had just kind of chalked it up to. I'll just live with this. And how many people say, I just got to live with it? Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is now, but it doesn't have to be. You know, and I tell people all the time, can I totally eradicate your pain? Maybe, maybe not. Can I totally correct your weakness? Probably not, but can I give you a better quality of life than when you walk through my doors? Likely, you know, and that's... Well, that's hopeful. Oh, yeah. That's a hopeful message. That is hopeful, and that would kind of lead me into that next success story. And I spoke a little bit earlier on people giving up. You know, this particular person had tried therapy. They had had injections. Um, Would get a little bit better, kind of fall right back into this pain pattern, what I didn't know then was losing a lot of sleep at night, not really sleeping, had given up a lot of activities that she loved because it just hurt. She was functional, so she just kind of hurt. It would get to a point where it would be really bad again. She would see a doctor, get a referral, come back. They would work on the things that would hurt, and it would get a little bit better. Um, around that time is the time that I met her um, and started working with her, and I had that experience. We got a little better. We thought it was a victory, kind of discharged to you managing it at home. And it quickly fell back into that pretty debilitating. It's very painful again. 
And insurance limits a lot in the therapy world, so you have to figure out how to work around it. We would exhaust her insurance coverage trying to figure out the root of what was causing the pain. And in doing so, we would correct a lot of things. We would strengthen a lot of things. We would help her quality of life and her pain. She would discharge and she would fall back to me. So we would, you know, plead our case with insurance, give us some more coverage and let us really try to figure out what's going on. And as I evolved as a therapist and did some continuing education classes and furthered my knowledge, I remember I was sitting at a class and I thought, this is her. This is going to help her. And so when I called her and told her, I said, if this works, your back's going to get worse. Um, You know, the leg pain is going to dissipate. The back's going to get worse. And I said, but just trust me, let's try it. And immediately her back got worse. And so I got really encouraged because what I had learned, I saw right in front of my Mm -hmm, eyes. mm -hmm. And but that also helped her to buy into I got to keep doing this because it's going to work. And so she did that for months. She she became very, very compliant. I mean, she already was, but she agreed to just really be compliant with what it took at home because that's a huge part of therapy. I can I get an hour and a half out of your day, a couple or three times a week. But she bought into it, believed in it, and saw change. And months and months, well, really years later, she now has eradicated that problem from her life and knows how to manage it and does not live with those same limitations every day. She still to this day incorporates those things into her life and wakes up and goes to bed doing these particular exercises. And she has pain, but she knows how to manage it. And I very much feel like if after those first few times she had given up when nobody really corrected the pain, then what would her life look like today? If she had said, you know what, therapy just didn't help. It still hurts. I don't really think that they can ever get to the bottom of it. She wouldn't be functional like she is today. I really believe that. And so I use that story. I use that story with my patients. Um, And I have to remind myself of that when I'm hitting a brick wall because that's really important to me. No matter the case, you're important. And if it's limiting you, it's limiting me. And I want to figure it out. And I would say that's true of of most every single therapist I know. Um, You know, we have to go back to the drawing board. I keep my books out a lot. I keep my notes out a lot. Constantly learning, I'm sure. Constantly learning. Because then I can turn that around and I have more success stories like that where she hung on over a year with therapy off and on. I mean, I would have to go back and count how many visits, but... Man, not many people are going to do that. No, and it's it's like, I think it just goes back to that old saying as it, sometimes it gets worse before it gets better. I tell people that every day. And it really is true. It is absolutely true. Um, it's, it's true for a lot of things. And it doesn't take away the fact that it's very, really hard. Right. We, we don't want to hear it's going to get worse. Before no. It gets worse. Like that is not... We might know it's true, but we just don't want to. It's not encouraging. It's not encouraging. Right. No. So it's just finding that in what you do, finding the person, finding the therapist Mm -hmm. that, like you said, you trust and believe in and know has your best interest and is hearing you and listening to what you're dealing with and saying, let's do this together. Absolutely. Find the therapist that is the fit for you because that is so key to, to them knowing what you need. You know, am I fit for everybody? No. Is is Drake or John a fit for everybody or any other therapist in this in this county? No. But I think that's the beauty also of the community of our profession is 
that if I can't help you, I can get you to somebody that specializes in that or has a different set of eyes or different equipment. I can help you get to what you need. You all are kind. I know every one of y'all like talking about John, talking about Dre. Yeah. And you, you have that spirit of like just of service, yeah. of helping people, of, of advocacy. And I think anyone honestly could go to one of y'all would be right. a fit. I mean, y- yeah. y'all just y'all just have that right vibe that makes people feel comfortable. Yeah. And I think your authenticity really shows. And so I think that's that's important in looking important. for a trusted therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's end talking about healthy practices. You mentioned one of yours. Um, thank you for sharing those yeah, success stories because I think that's really, really important. It is important. And that's what drives me, but I also know that's what drives mm-hmm. further patients. And I didn't say this, but I something that, um, before I go into that, the maintenance, mm-hmm. that re- remembering is like, I, I got there, but how did I get there? Right. I think is key for us to remember too, mm-hmm. is just maintaining practices right. that keep us there. Yeah. When you leave me, I'm going to equip you with the tools you need to keep what we've gained. You know, of course, injury could happen. You, anything could happen. But as far as just what we've gained, I'm going to equip you with the tools you need without me standing over you every day saying, do this to maintain it. You know, if your back starts hurting, do those exercises. Incorporate them where, like, when you're coming to therapy, you need to be doing them regularly. When we're done, hopefully you're better enough that you only need to do them one or two times a week. But also you have those tools that, okay, I feel like I'm going backward. Let me try what she showed me first. And then that, in the long run, saves you Coming back to me a lot of times because you are maintaining. Learning to, I feel like just how I would just kind of summarize, is just learning to, I feel like what you're saying is listen to your body. Yes. You you are a therapist, a physical therapist is your advocate. And then there's a day when you just got to be your own advocate. Absolutely. And when, when you walk out of their office and hopefully they're better and where you just trust yourself. Right. And a commitment to yourself. Mm-hmm. And... Know that you're worth it. True. Yeah, you have to do that. Yeah. And kind of joking, I guess, people tell me all the time, PT means pain and torture. <laughs> I've never heard those. <laughs> well, maybe, I mean, in some instances, <laughs> you're yes. like, kind of true. Kind of true. Physical therapy is not, quote unquote, fun, but you have to make it fun. You're here and you're facing whatever has sent you here. So let's just make the best of a bad situation. And so when people come in and tell me that, I know all about this, it's going to be pain and torture. It's not going to be um, probably painless. I'll tell you that. We're working on what's dysfunctioning in your body. If there are movement patterns or limitations that allow for a dysfunction, and I try to correct that, it's going to hurt more than likely within reason. I also really hate the phrase, no pain, no gain, because that's not always true. If your body's telling you something, we need to listen to that. There's, there's a reason for pain. Is it okay pain or is it pain that we need to listen to? But getting back to the pain and torture thing, I like to tell people PT means progressive transformation. Oh, that sounds more positive, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> more and, and I mean, yeah, it is painful sometimes and, and it is long sometimes. And there's going to be days where you feel like I am not going back. I'm making no headway. But just hang with it because you're progressively transforming your life. Because transformation, whether that is emotionally, whether that's spiritually, physically, any way you look at it, yes. it is can be very hard and painful. Absolutely. But you hope you hope you're better when you get to the other side. Yeah. Of whatever of that is. Right. Okay. Now I feel like we I feel like, okay, 
Yes, I, I I was I was seven ahead of myself, but um, on the healthy practices. But that was a good that was a good ending to that. What are a couple things that you find very helpful to just stay healthy yourself? You mentioned the walking. Yeah. Uh, Is there anything else that you find helpful personally? Yeah, of course. I like to walk. I like to be active and move. I am adventurous, and I like to kind of get into those things and spend time just decompressed a little bit, I guess, just kind of live and laugh. And I live life out loud. I like to have fun and I like to laugh. And so I love to be around people that bring out that in me, people that support me. And like I said, I like to get outside. I like to move. I like to be busy, but I also like to be quiet. And for me, that's important to start my day like that. I start my day with quiet time. I fully believe that I am where I am because God put me here. And he has a job for me to do more than one way. But before I go to work every morning, before I start my job to try to help someone else, I start spending time with him. And I, every day, pray for him to guide my hands and my knowledge and my skill to help me better equip, be better equipped to help somebody else. So for me, I think that is key. I spend time in prayer and with him trying to try my best to do what he would have me to do, but then also just taking care of the body that he's given me. If I'm going to tell you to take care of your body and I'm not taking care of mine, I'm not going to sell that. And I'm not also going to be able to help you do that. So for me, that is important. Just movement, enjoyment, and quiet time. That's some good. Wow, that works. That's that's helpful to anybody. Spiritual yeah. practice. Yeah. What you got to do physically. Because we just, they all matter. Of course. They all matter. Kim, this has been so has. helpful and fun. Yes, it has been so much fun. I've <laughs> loved fun. this. It's been fun. I've I know I've learned a lot by just sitting here talking to you, and I hope others do too. I know they I will. Do too. And um, I just want to thank you for yes. your service thank and you. what you do in our community. I'm thankful for the Fort Payton location and for you and for Drake and um, John. They've helped my my kids and my family yeah. and. Um, I just don't see there ever not being a need for y'all. So I hope you stay here yeah. and keep serving. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch what's going to happen in the years to come. And I love serving the community. It is my heart. And I thank you for having me. This has been great. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Parts of Us Podcast. You can visit our website at partsofuspodcast.net or check us out on Instagram. We would love to hear from you, whether it be suggestions for the podcast, testimonials, sponsorship opportunities, or general feedback. Email us at monicaatpartsofuspodcast.com or reach out to us on our social media. This podcast represents the views and opinions of Monica Patton and her guests. Its content is presented for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be taken as medical, psychological, or legal advice. Please contact a professional for specific questions. This content does not represent any place of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information shared is accurate, comments, suggestions, or correction of errors are welcome.